It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Happy New Year, Raider Nation. Welcome back to the first edition of Silver and Black today of 2024. That's right. Hope you had a great New Year's Eve. Happy New Year's Day. Filled with lots of football. Obviously, the bowl games went on. Raiders, of course, lost on New Year's Eve 23-20 to to the Indianapolis Colts, ending their playoff chances for yet another season. So apologize for that, but that's just how it goes. Uh, welcome back. We are an Odyssey Sports original podcast. You... Uh, you got to do us a favor. You got to just go subscribe wherever you can get your audio. Look for Silver and Black today. Hit the subscription button. Put on the auto download. That helps us out significantly. If you're watching us on YouTube, hello and thank you for joining us in the new year. Hit that subscribe and notifications bell. Both. It is myself, Scott Branson, along with my partner, Mo Moten. Mo is the senior NFL writer at Bleacher Report covering the entire league. He also specifically writes about the Raiders for SportsNot.com, where he is also a columnist. You can also catch my work up there and make sure you follow Mo on X.com at Mo Moten, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully and the show is SNB today. Okay, Mo, uh, here we are. Raiders officially eliminated on Sunday, a game. And, and this is what we've seen under Antonio Pierce, right? Which is is somewhat, and we'll get deep into this, but look, we talked about it last week when the Raiders beat the Chiefs on Christmas Day, and that was awesome, great, huge boost for Antonio Pierce's campaign to become the permanent full-time head coach of the Raiders when that does happen and the process unfolds. But we talked about consistency. Raiders go out on New Year's Eve and come out flat. Offense can't do anything yet again. Of course, they do catch fire towards the end of the game, which was nice to see. The kid Aiden O'Connell do well there towards the end. A little bit too little too late. And even on defense, listen, you knew the defense wasn't going to be able to sustain the level of play. They couldn't carry this team every single game. And sure enough, they just did enough to keep them in the game, but could not win the game for them. There was no big plays. There was no pick sixes. There was none of that jazz. And the Raiders end up losing this one. Give me your first impressions seeing this team come out uh, in what was a playoff game for them, basically. They had to win to keep their playoff hopes alive, and it just didn't go how anybody wanted it to go. This is uncharacteristic. That performance is uncharacteristic of the Raiders under Antonio Pierce. What did we see? We saw penalties. Uh, Max Crosby had to give the defense a pep talk early in the game. I don't know if it showed it on everyone's broadcast, but Max Crosby gathered around his teammates and was kind of just getting their heads into the game. So in my opinion, they came out flat, which is not something you see out of an Antonio Pierce coach team. But I guess that's what happens when you play back-to-back games on East Coast time zone on a short week. 
And that's what a lot of people feared about the Raiders is that after an emotional win over the Chiefs, that you would have a come down of the of that emotional energy. And I think Vic Tafer uh, posted this on the X and he said, you can't win but so many games off of emotion. Eventually that emotion wears off. And you just got to you got to play football and the X's and O's matter. The adjustments matter. And the Raiders, as you said, started out slow. They've dug themselves a 14-3 hole. Uh, now, this is not a come from behind offense. It's not an offense that you want to have to pull your pull you out of a, a two score deficit. And that's what the Raiders found themselves in. And as you said, too little, too late. Offense found some rhythm midway through the third quarter. I believe that was the midway through the third quarter is when the Raiders scored their first touchdown. But by then, again, they were chasing points and it just Again, too little, too late. Yeah, too little, too late. And, and I think that that's one of the things that, that I want to talk about. Because, listen, I've said it all along, and, and, and we've seen the discussion uh, both online and offline that we've had with folks about Antonio Pierce and this team under Antonio Pierce. Um, boy, I've ri- I went back. I didn't realize. I've written three pieces on SportsNot.com talking about what a great job Antonio Pierce has done. But then when we bring up this consistency issue and we bring up to your point about them being uncharacteristically sloppy in Indianapolis, you know, you get this, well, you just don't like Pierce. You're going to, you know, you're going to be negative now. No, it's not. It's not about liking people. It's about just talking about what happened. Right. Talking about the fact. And listen, Antonio Pierce, Mo, he can't fix what's wrong with the offense. And we're going to get into this in the second segment completely because you don't have the quarterback you need to run your team, number one. And that's not a slight on Aiden O'Connell. That just is what it is. Aiden O'Connell is doing his best, and he lacks some of the playmaking ability. I have a piece up on sports not talking about this. He lacks the playmaking ability and and what you dubbed and now what has become lexicon, and I'm using it as well, functional mobility, <laughs> baby. Right? He doesn't have mobility. it. But, but when you look at Pierce, he's, he's the head guy, so he's in charge when they win and they lose. You can't... You can't, when they win and the defense is dominant like they were in Kansas City, give Antonio Pierce all the credit. And then when they lose and their offense is terrible, and it's been terrible two weeks in a row, frankly, you can't just say, well, that's all Bo Hardigree and Aiden O'Connell. It is, yes, and that is part of the issue, but that all goes together. But, Mo, he can't fix the offense. There's nothing you can do. On defense, you have dogs, you have players, you've made progress. But on the offense, when it comes to a play caller, he doesn't have an experienced play caller. He doesn't have all his players. His offensive line, uh, again, was without starters uh, for the fourth consecutive game. And that's not making excuses. What that's saying is you can only control what you can control. And when it comes to the broken offense, this offense has been broken all year and actually dating back to last year. So I don't think Antonio Pierce is Jesus Christ. He's not going to walk out on water and cure people, right? You can't make Aiden O'Connell a mobile quarterback. You, that's one thing you can't change. Uh, as I said on last week's show, guys don't get more athletic as they age. That's just something that you have to you, – Aiden O'Connell, that's going to be a part of the knock against his game for his, for the remainder of his career, no matter what he is, a backup or a spot start or a low-end start, whatever he is. And this is why I've been preaching for the past, I don't know, month that the Raiders need to upgrade and modernize their quarterback room. They don't have an athletic quarterback on the roster. They had Jimmy Garoppolo can roll out on bootlegs from time to time, but he's not a natural mover in and out of the pocket that can make throws on a run routinely. 
So I, I think the Raiders have an outdated quarterback room right now. You got Brian Hoyer, who's close to retirement, most likely. You got Jimmy Garoppolo, who I said you can roll out on bootlegs, but he's not the most athletic guy. And you got Aiden O'Connell, who we just talked about, who is not athletic either at his young age. So the Raiders need to go out, in my opinion, and add two quarterbacks to their room. And that's why I've been advocating for a low-cost acquisition in Justin Fields if the Bears move on from him. And drafting a quarterback. And I say that because there's a possibility the Raiders may not be able to trade up. A lot of people want to trade up. Oh, they just trade up for for the player that they want. You have to find a dance partner for that. It's no guarantee (laughs) that the Raiders are going to be able to trade up. Because let me tell you, a lot of teams are going to need a quarterback this offseason. I watched the Minnesota Vikings basically implode on Sunday night because they just don't have, they didn't have a serviceable quarterback. Kirk Cousins is going to be a free agent. So that's another team that could be in the running in the mix for a quarterback. So it's not going to be as easy to just move up for one. The Raiders may have to stand pat at wherever they draft. They're 11th, I believe, right now in the draft order. They may have to stand pat at 11 or 12, wherever they're drafting, and and pick the best quarterback available. And that best quarterback available may not be ready to play right away. Yeah, I know we, we've become spoiled with quarterbacks just playing in year one, but that's not the case with every quarterback that you're going to draft. You may need a bridge gap guy to play in 2024. Right. And and I talked about the need for the Raiders that 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 and, and again, we're going to devote our second segment to completely to this, which is the Raiders number one priority above all else is a quarterback. Now, I know you need a coach and you need to name your GM, which I can't imagine is not going to be Champ Kelly. But just say outside of needing a coach, still a quarterback's number one. You have to get a quarterback. So so we'll we'll get to that. But I think that 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 when you look at what Antonio Pierce can fix and what he's been able to fix, that is what he's been able to do. First of all, he he galvanized the locker room. He got those guys together. They've come out, they've won some games. And look, you know, look at their record, Mo. What did we we called seven or eight wins, didn't we? So we're right about where we thought the Raiders would be. Of course, the journey to those wins has been very, very different than we anticipated, right? Uh, best laid plans, right? But but if you look at it, they're they're sort of on par where where we thought they would be. And so I look at that and I think, okay, you know, Antonio Pierce has done a fine job there. But I'm also being realistic, and you talked about it right before we got on the air, which is you saw a lot of fans on Sunday, oh, he's not the deal, forget him, Jim Harbaugh, let's go. Well, it's not that simple. Now, if Jim Harbaugh interviews for the Raiders job, hey, he does, and it's it's something that Mark Davis has to consider. We've talked and gone through that at ad nauseum here, and you have to be able to do that. At the same time, I don't think a loss against the Colts after the Chiefs win disqualifies him. I don't think that that is a prudent thing. That's an emotional reaction. And again, I'm not criticizing fans for being emotional. You're fans. You should be emotional. Got no problem with that. But when people tell me, I had somebody message me before the the post-game show, uh, uh, Mo, that, well, if you're going to talk about Pierce didn't do a good job here, I'm just not going to listen because I don't want to hear negativity. Well, listen, I mean, if a quarterback goes out and throws six interceptions to no touchdowns and a team loses a game, what should you say? Oh, it's okay. He's good. He's good. It's all right. It's just a bad game. No. You you talk about the good and the bad together because guess what? We all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. We all do great work and we all do work sometimes wish we, we could do over again. So that's not what we do here on the show with Antonio Pierce is we just talk about what's in front of us and 
and what's in front of him. And I think that he, he has done a good job of controlling what he can control. He doesn't know what he doesn't know. He's inexperienced. We've talked through that too. So you're going to get a mixed bag, but that's what you get with a guy who's in a head coaching role at the pro level for the first time. Scott, Antonio Pierce is 4-4 four and four as the Raider, Raiders interim head coach. It, yeah. it, he's had an up and down record. Now, there are reasons why he sure. took over a team that, you know, flawed and needed a change in the locker room. But we talk about what goes on in the last game. So if the Raiders have a bad game, you're not going to say, well, it, it's all good, people. Rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> no need to worry. They, they get due criticism if they don't play well. If they play well, we talk good about them because they played well. I, don't, I think this is a very simple concept. Uh, I, I think people get caught up in you have to have this certain opinion no matter what happens. True. And that's just not reality. You have to react in real time to what's going on. If a te- Again, if a team does not play well, they deserve the criticism. If they play well, you praise them for it. And yesterday, well, not yesterday, Sunday, the Raiders, again, as I said, came out flat. And it's it was a fear that I had playing on East Coast time zone on a short week, two games back to back. I didn't expect it to look like that with the penalties. A lot of people, we're going to get into this, a lot of people criticize Antonio Pierce for the, his timeout usage and not going on it, going forward on fourth down more often than not, uh, than he did. But I, I don't think this dings Pierce, as you said, to the point that he's no longer a viable candidate. I still think he's a viable candidate, and he could still finish with a winning record as an interim. Mm-hmm. The Raiders do have one more game left. There are no playoff implications because the Broncos are already also eliminated from playoff contention, but Antonio Pierce can still finish five and four as the interim head coach. And I think that would bode well for him in the interview process. As do I. I mean, listen, that's especially when you get, you get handed a bag of, you know what, and you have to make the most out of it and it's been up and down. But then again, there are things he can't fix. There are things that he, he has to do the best with what he has. And I think he's done that in most cases. But 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 then again, I, I agree with you. I think a fair criticism in the loss to Indy on Sunday was I thought the game management was terrible. I thought the clock management was terrible, especially towards the end of the game. It was brutal. I mean, it just is what it is. Uh, and I'm sure when Antonio Pierce looks at it, he's going to agree with that because he doesn't he doesn't hide when he makes mistakes. So again, to your point, you, you can you can talk about the good and the bad. You have to. You have to. No team is perfect. I mean, look at the Philadelphia Eagles. They were ten and one, right? And and look what's happened to them. So uh, and they have a much more filled out roster than the Raiders do. So you look at that situation. You say, okay, that's gonna. But this whole coaching situation will dominate the conversation as we head into the offseason, as we get past next week's final game against Denver. Uh, and so so I think that you you have to, and to your point, and if you're fans out there, you interact with Mo all, and, and I all the time, and I love it, but but be real. Like, don't, don't say it has to be one way. You know, a lot of people, Sunday Mo telling me, if it's not Antonio Pierce because of the Schefter report about, about Mark Davis maybe wanting a big name in Vegas, a lot of people saying to me, well, they'll lose the locker room and I won't be a fan anymore. I mean, come on, folks. Let's not be hyperbolic. Let's look at the situation and see. I understand that we've talked about it a lot. I understand why people love Antonio Pierce. I get it. And he's going to have his opportunity. But but don't think that players who make millions of dollars a year are going to all want to be, they're going to march into an office like the scene in Rudy and put their jersey on the desk and say, if it's not Antonio Pierce, we're not playing for you. It's not going to happen. 
Did, wasn't the same thing said after Rich Passage was let go? <laughs> do, do we? I'm, I'm old enough to remember when there was supposed to be a mutiny if Rich Passage wasn't hired. I Correct. remember, I vividly remember a lot of people saying if they don't hire Rich Passage, these players are, are not going to want to play for Josh McDaniels. Now, turned out that over time that happened, but that wasn't the immediate. <laughs> that reasons. wasn't right. That wasn't the immediate. Uh, reaction to not hiring Rich Basaccia. The players were still still came in and gave their best, but it it obviously didn't work out to the point where over a year and a half things soured, and then the Raiders had to make a change there. So I'm not buying the whole oh the the locker room is is gonna you know riot or have a mutiny if <laughs> Antonio Pierce is not hired as the head coach. I'm not buying that angle. One thing I wanted to point out was Antonio Pierce after the game basically took accountability. He said, this is the first time on my watch that we beat ourselves. Mm -hmm. I'm paraphrasing for him. He basically said we beat ourselves pre-snap issues there. So he knows that the performance that the team put out against the Colts was uncharacteristic. And as a C, as a CEO type of head coach, that falls on him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but again, like I said, he's always taking responsibility. Yep. I mm-hmm. find more fans want to slough off the responsibility, but the man himself is owning it. And you got to respect that. And that's why his leadership style, his leadership quality have been so strong and have helped this team. Okay. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the offense. We're going to talk about the quarterback. The Raiders greatest need of all is a quarterback. And we're going to talk about that through the entirety of segment two. You're listening to Mo and Scott. This is silver and black today. And Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. Silver and Black today, the Tuesday edition. Hope you're having a great start to 2024. Happy New Year to everybody out there in Raider Nation. Scott Branson, Mo Moten back with you. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your audio. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit subscription and then also hit that notifications bell. All right, Mo, let's jump into this. I, again, I, I told you I wrote a piece on Sports Not About This, and I don't think there's any question. You talk to anybody around the NFL who studies and and covers the sport, and they will tell you the Raiders' greatest need is at quarterback, whether it's Champ Kelly or it's a new GM, depending what they decide to do there. That person must do all they can to get the quarterback. Before we went to the break a little bit last segment, you talked about the fact people, well, we'll trade up. Can we trade up and get Caleb Williams? The answer is going to be no, because he's going to go first overall. I don't think there's any. I think the Bears are going to take him. And uh, so, no on that one. But can you move up? You have to have somebody who wants to move down. With the Raiders situation and the fact that they need a quarterback, this is where I want people, and you you hit on it last segment, Mo. I want people to pay very close attention. And that is, 
it will not go perfectly. You're not going to get slotted and say, hey, I'm going to trade up to number three and I'm going to grab Drake May or Jaden Daniels. I think I like all those guys and I would love for all of them to be on the Raiders. I think they would all be fine choices. But I look at the landscape and I saw what happened this year with the amount of quarterbacks that went out, the number of backups that had to come in. Uh, and, and there's been some great stories about backups who've done well. Jake Browning in Cincinnati, some other ones. But the reality is, Mo, I think there are eight, possibly, possibly up to 10 teams, 10, that desperately or at least moderately need a quarterback. So with that in mind, uh, as, as much as this is the Raiders' top priority, uh, it's going to be an adventure. It's going to be an up and down roller coaster ride with this thing because not only do they need to get a young quarterback, but to your point, they may need to go trade for or sign a free agent, a veteran, to come in just in case they get a guy mid-first round that isn't the answer so that they have an insurance policy. It's a very, very tricky situation, and I believe they're paying for their decision three years ago to stay with Derek Carr when they could have perhaps reset then. So, Mo, with that all in mind and and what you said before, um, talk about how they address this quarterback situation and what they need to do as they head to the offseason and prepare for the NFL draft in April. So, number one, let's remember that free agency is a month and a half, six weeks before the draft. Right. So unless you make a deal in advance of the draft, you don't know what you're going to wind up with. So you better have an, a you better have a backup plan and insurance policy just in case you don't get the quarterback that you want in the draft. Let's remember that. Free agency is a month and a half before the draft. So if you don't make a trade before the draft, you better have an insurance policy who's a guy who's going to be your quarterback just in case you don't get the guy that you or guys that you have one of the guys that you have your eyes on so really quick i have tankathon pulled up on my phone right and i'm looking <laughs> at the raiders sitting at 11 they're obviously their top they are 10 picks before them the bears have the number one overall pick they locked that in sunday because carolina lost that's the carolina panthers pick like you i believe the bears take quarterback the commanders sam Howell, jacoby Brissett ain't it they're taking a quarterback the patriots mac jones and billy zappy ain't it they're taking a quarterback <laughs> Arizona, probably a spot that that's the that's the top spot right there. That's a possibly a trade down spot with Kyler Murray could be the franchise quarterback still, even with the new regime played well against the Eagles on Sunday. I can see the Arizona Cardinals moving down the Giants. We'll see. I would draft the quarterback if I'm the Giants. Daniel, I'm in New York City. Daniel Jones was a stinker this year. Tyrod Taylor played better than Daniel Jones. For a while, Tommy DeVito played better than Jan- Daniel Jones. <laughs> I can see the Giants drafting a oh. quarterback. Yes. The Chargers, they're not taking a quarterback. But will the Chargers help the Raiders get their franchise quarterback? I highly doubt it. I highly doubt we see a Chargers-Raiders trade where the Chargers are helping the Raiders get their franchise guy. The Tennessee Titans, I can see them drafting a quarterback. Will Evans didn't do enough to prove that he's the guy in Tennessee. The Jets, though they have Aaron Rodgers, I wouldn't be surprised if they drafted a quarterback because Aaron Rodgers is 40 years old. So they have to think about the future beyond him. The Atlanta Falcons need a quarterback. They play musical chairs at the position. Taylor Heineke, Desmond Ritter, back to Taylor Heineke. They're probably going to draft the quarterback if they don't get go get Justin Fields. Then the Chicago Bears have the 10th pick. They, we talked about them having the first overall pick and getting a quarterback. That, that's a spot that the Raiders can move up. 
maybe to prevent another team from jumping them for the 10th spot. So there are spots there, but as I just read out, the Cardinals, the Chargers, who are not going to be interested in draft in, in making a deal with the Raiders for you know to get their guy, and maybe the Jets, those are the spots that you could see a trade down situation. But Cardinals, Jets are probably the most likely, with the Giants being the wild card, depending on what happens with Daniel Jones. So again, I want to I want to reemphasize this: the Raiders should go get a guy who could be their bridge gap quarterback, just in case the draft doesn't fall the way they think it will. Right. And and not only that, but to your point about even if some of those teams that are quarterback hungry that you talked about, Washington, New England, um, and the Giants, even if they are willing to trade down, remember, a couple teams down there too, New Orleans. Yes, they drafted what's his name out of Fresno State yesterday, but he's not it. So you look at New Orleans, you look at Denver. You, Denver. We'll get to that in a minute in this final segment about the Broncos, because if the mm-hmm. Raiders beat the Broncos... Depending what happens, the the Broncos could leapfrog them in the draft too. And guess who needs a quarterback? The Broncos in your own division. (laughs) So, so this is really, and then right near, and and I know Seattle's on the cusp of even maybe, uh, I don't think they were eliminated from the playoffs. I think they're still alive on the NFC side. They're still alive. Mm -hmm. But they need a quarterback long term. Okay. So you look at that, and then you got Pittsburgh as well. Um, There's Minnesota. And Minnesota. So, so you look at all of those teams, and again, for those people who argue with us, no, just get a good defense, you have to have the quarterback. You've seen it. All of these teams know it. So there is no easy path to the Raiders moving up in the draft to get a quarterback. So you have to have multiple avenues, to your point, insurance policy. So when we talk about Justin Fields, I mentioned in my bold predictions piece Jameis Winston. I know some people hated that. I just thought it was realistic. I'm not saying it's happening. I'm not saying I'm advocating for it. I'm just saying the Raiders will need to find a quarterback that is more dynamic, that is a veteran, as well as drafting a rookie. And we are in a time, Mo, this is where people don't understand. And I really, fans, because they hyper-focus on their own team, which I get. You will draft as many quarterbacks as you need to. It doesn't matter if you drafted one last year, right? If Carolina was in the number one spot again, and they hadn't traded to the Bears for that spot, just for sake of argument, and they looked at Bryce Young this year, they might go from Bryce Young after one year and go get Caleb Williams and trade Bryce Young and figure it out. That's where we're at in the NFL. I want to just remind people that Remember, remember when the Cardinals drafted Josh Rosen? Now, I'm not saying Bryce Young's a bust, right? No. Remember when the Cardinals drafted Josh Rosen? I believe in the top ten. I believe he's a tenth overall pick. New regime comes in. They wind up drafting Kyler Murray, hiring Cliff Kingsbury, and moving on. Right. So now the Carolina Panthers have fired their head coach, Frank Wright. No longer there, so they're going to have a new head coach. They should fire their general manager in my opinion. So they're going to have a new regime. I'm not saying Bryce Young gets moved, but we, as you said, we live now in a society where teams aren't just going to wait multiple years for their quarterback to, to pop. If they, if they feel like they made a mistake, they're going to move on. So I say that to say that the Raiders are going to have a lot of competition, even if they want to trade up, even if they are interested in trading up, they could have a lot of competition uh, uh, for for whatever spot they want, whether it's for for Arizona, whether it's 
you know, eight with the Jets, nine with the Atlanta Falcons, 10 if they want to move up one spot, prevent another team from leapfrogging them. There are going to be a lot of teams moving on from their quarterbacks. As I said, Minnesota may not resign Kirk Cousins because uh, there were questions about Kirk Cousins' future in Minnesota this past offseason. Were they going to move on from him? They decided to roll with him. He played well. He got hurt, unfortunately, but he is 35 years old. So this is what I'm saying. If the Raiders want to trade up, it may cost them a lot. It may cost yes. them multiple ones. It's going to cost them multiple ones. And maybe it may cost them a player. So for the people out there who want to trade up, just understand you're not getting something for nothing. You're going to have to give up something. And so yeah. it's going to be something significant because teams understand that this is a this is a really good quarterback class. So the price is going to go up just based on that opinion that widespread perception alone so understand the spot the the prospects that are going to be involved and the competition for those spots are going to drive up the price so don't be surprised if the raiders don't move up but we're interested in doing it and they want to stand in pat and drafting who's available correct and i and again i go back to even looking there's so many so many veins to this this situation if you look at it too from the perspective of even in the AFC West obviously two of those teams have quarterbacks they don't need it but you look at Denver Denver's a wild card here because Denver now what we saw they did with 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 Russell Wilson they're clearly moving on and i do not believe that their plan is Jared Stidham okay i don't think that's their plan if that's their that's not their plan. Now they might go get I think they would probably prioritize a veteran, but that doesn't preclude them nor does it stop them from going out and getting that rookie quarterback especially in a draft like this. So I think now they they clearly gave up a lot of draft capital. So they don't have as much so they're hamstrung to try to move up in the draft uh like because of what they did to get Russell Wilson. Seattle owns those picks. Uh so so you see that and you think to yourself, "Okay, well, you got to watch closely what Seattle does. I think Seattle goes out and gets a veteran. Seattle, I mean, excuse me, Denver. Denver may go out and get a Kirk Cousins or get somebody else like that on, on a deal because they can't wait for their draft capital to come through. So you look at all of those things and you say to yourself, Raiders got to have a good plan. That's why the selection of not only the GM, but also the coach are a big deal because you are now setting, I believe, Mo, I know we've said this every reset, Okay. And I know fans are tired of hearing it, but I really believe at this point where the NFL is, where the division is, the Raiders have to, I'm not saying get every pick right, but the Raiders have to have a plan, especially at quarterback, that will make them more dynamic and, and increase their chances to compete offensively. They got the defense going pretty good, pretty good now. They can supplement that, but they have got to get their offense on track if they don't Within the next year, to me, they're going to fall so far behind, I don't know that they can catch up. Here is my point of why the Raiders should be interested in Justin Fields, and I want to make this clear, right? I'm not saying Justin Fields is the solution to the Raiders' quarterback issues. What I'm saying is that he could be a low-cost option that the Raiders could have just in case their draft pick does not work out. So look at the San Francisco 49ers, right? They went all in to move off of Trey Lance. It didn't work out. They were fortunate enough where they had Brock Purdy, who they drafted last in that same draft class and developed him behind the scenes. Turns out he's the starting caliber quarterback. So the 49ers in a sense got lucky because Brock Purdy was the last pick. It wasn't like they sought after him and drafted him fourth (laughs) round. But it goes to my point that sometimes your plan A, even if you're sure about it and sell the farm for it, 
it may not work out. So you better have a plan B. And that's all I'm saying for the Raiders is that they better have a plan B. Because if you put all your eggs in one basket and it doesn't work out, you can set the franchise back a few years. Again, the 49ers went all in on Trey Lance. A lot of people thought, oh, it's going to work because Kyle Shanahan's a master play caller. And it didn't work out. Now, what if Brock Purdy wasn't there? Mm. We'd be talking about the 49ers possibly as a middling football team, 9-8, and 10-7 and seven maybe. But they had another option on, on the roster. So all I'm saying is Raiders have a plan A, have a plan B, Heck, may have a plan C if you can get one. Sure. But I, I wouldn't just hand the backup number two job to Aiden O'Connell. Get a veteran in there, a bridge gap guy. Get a young rookie in there. Have them all battle for the starting job. No question. And I might add, too, that our discussion around Justin Fields, and I some people don't like him because of his turnover numbers and all this kind of jazz, uh, and contract. Remember, he is on his rookie contract you do not have to give him a fifth-year option. You're talking $6 million next year. And if he doesn't do well and ball out, you let him go, and that's all it costs you. And so that's appealing to other teams too, Mo, though. So Raider fans, if you don't think that there are other teams looking at that same situation saying, I'll take a flyer on Justin Fields, sure, why not? Kid's yeah. got so much upside, and if he doesn't work out, we walk away after a year, no big deal. Because look, look what they're paying Jimmy Garoppolo. Look what they're playing Brian Hoyer. Okay, now you're talking about a young guy who might, with a change of scenery, just reach his full potential. So we'll see how that all works out. But uh, it, the quarterback game, man, it's you got to get the quarterback game right in today's NFL mo and the front office of the Raiders. This is a big, big test for them. Just to put Justin Fields' 2024 cap it into perspective, he is going to be less against the cap than Jared Stidham next year. Jared Stidham is set to make seven million a year. Justin Fields is set to make six million. There you go. I'm just All saying right that's backup quarterback money and it's worth the risk. Absolutely worth the, worth the risk. 100%. All right, there you go. Quarterback. It's going to be fascinating. We're going to be on top of the quarterback situation all season, off-season long, we will have several guests on to talk about that. Uh the way the season has gone, we we haven't as many guests as we had last year, but we're going to do a lot because the Raiders have major decisions, so we want to bring in as many experts as we can to talk about that. So look forward to that. All right, we're going to step aside for our final break. When we come back, we'll talk about the Raiders the rest of the way. What do they need to find out? What can they do? What are they playing for besides the paycheck? We'll talk about that here on Silver and Black today. You're with Mo and Scott. We're coming right back after this. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, Tuesday edition, the final home stretch here on the show, the first show of 2024. I want to thank all of you for a great 2023, happy new year to everybody. Our listeners have been fantastic. We appreciate so much the support and what you've done to make this podcast in the Odyssey Network top three. That's right. Top three, top five of all of sports for Odyssey Sports. And that is a testament to the strength of Raider Nation. Despite the Raiders having a strange, strange year yet again, you guys are all there. You're all in, and we certainly appreciate it. Scott Branson, along with Mo Moten. Mo's a senior NFL writer at Bleacher Report, also Raiders columnist at sportsnot.com. Follow him on x.com at Mo Moten, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully. All right, Mo, uh, let's bring the show home here. What can we learn over this final week? I mean, you, you ask that question. I think you look at the roster. You look at the defense and you say overall, look, we know they need, we talked about it last show, we know they need upgrades on the interior of the defense, still need that stud defensive tackle. You still need a linebacker. You still need some some back-end help is why I would love for them to go out, and I know he'll be a high price guy, and I would love for them to draft a cornerback, 
which I think they will do. But I would also love a guy like Jalen Johnson back there to go opposite of Jack Jones and, and, and all the young studs like Nate Hobbs and those guys back there. We know they need that. And, uh, so, But the defense overall, I don't really have a ton of question marks saying like, boy, one game left, we really got to see something out of someone. On the offense, um, you know, I, I think we have answers there too. I don't think there's anybody fighting for a job per se that needs to show out in this last game to show that they want to be a Raider. We know what they need. They need a quarterback. When you look at this game against Denver, to me it's about playing for – each other wanting to just finish on a positive high note and also for Antonio Pierce. Is there any other, is there anything I'm missing my friend? Not that you're missing, but this is what I'm, we'll be looking at one. I think it's an important game for Zamir white. Now Zamir white was decent against the Colts. Mm -hmm. Wasn't as good as he was against the Chargers and the chiefs. But I think this is important for Zamir white to end on a high note because He's trying to prove that if Josh Jacobs is not there, that he could be the lead guy. So I think the spotlight is going to be on him against a bad Denver Broncos run defense. What I also what I'm looking at on offense is outside of the obvious, Aiden O'Connor obviously wants to end on a strong note after he had a, an inconsistent game against the Colts. But the offensive line, what's going to happen at center? Are the Raiders going to get rid of Andre James and move Dylan Parham permanently permanently to, to the center position. I guess it depends on who they hire as a head coach and that coaches staff, but I think it's a move that people should pay attention to. I actually thought the Rays would move on from Andre James the last year. They didn't, but we saw Dylan Parham play well in the pinch of center, and he's less costly than Andre James. So it's not like Andre James is terrible. It's just that Dylan Parham is a less expensive option there, and you could save some money uh, on your offensive line. The other thing I'm looking at um, – what happens with Thayer Mumford? Now, he got banged up against the Colts. I think that the Raiders will draft the right tackle. But does Thayer Mumford play himself into a position where he maybe opens some eyes to say, I could start there, that right tackle is not a big, big need. It's not a glaring need. To me, in my opinion, it is a need. But how comfortable will the new coach staff feel with Thayer Mumford and possibly Jermaine Illuminar there? On the defensive side of the ball, I'm looking at Tyree Wilson. Now, Malcolm Coons has had a breakout season, in my opinion, but you want to see Tyree Wilson continue to progress. Now, one game is not going to change your opinion of his rookie season, but you want to see him finish out in a strong note. The last thing I'm looking at, Amik Robertson. He's very vocal on social media after the loss to the, to the Colts. I mean, Tashawn Reed pointed out that it was Meek that got beat on that cover zero look when Alec Pierce scored that touchdown for 58 yards. Amik Robertson had some words for people who are criticizing him. He's going to be a free agent in 2024. So even if the Raiders don't resign him, I think it's important for him to finish strong because he's going to want to get some offers on the free agent market and possibly get the bag. Now, he's not going to get a big bag because right. you know he's had an up-and-down career so far with the Raiders, but I think it's going to be important for him not to go out like he did against the Colts giving up that touchdown. Yeah, and, and I know we talked about it earlier, and, and Vic Tafer over at The Athletic wrote a piece basically saying, hey, the Colts' loss doesn't really impact Antonio Pierce's candidacy for the head coaching job because of how it went down. Uh, but when you look at this game against Denver, I talked about it. Like you, you, 
you win the game. I mean, listen, we've said it all along. There's no such thing as tanking in the NFL. You do what you do to win football games. But the Raiders beat the Broncos. The Broncos could could possibly, depending on what happens with some of the other games, could possibly leapfrog them in the draft. They also need a quarterback. Second is you look at Antonio Pierce, and the last thing he wants to do, again, whether or not you look at the Colts' loss and say that hurt him or not, to lose two in a row and to go out, it's never a good thing for anyone to go out, especially depending how they perform. Now, the Broncos, we've seen how they've played, but I, you know, I just think that Antonio Pierce has got to be focused on getting what he can and focused on the the win. The win helps him. I don't think it would bump him out of contention. That's not what I'm saying. But certainly, as the rumors start to continue to swirl around Jim Harbaugh, and we haven't heard a lot of other names associated with the Raiders yet, but as the season starts to finish up and as the college season ends for all but four teams uh, coming up, then then you suddenly are going to start to hear names dropping. And so if I'm Antonio Pierce, I think I probably want to win this game on the way. Yeah, and, and a lot of people, I know a lot of fans are going to say, oh, you got to take for the higher pick. You don't want the Denver Broncos to leapfrog you in the draft order. It's a catch-22 because, as you said, Antonio Pierce, he could still finish with a winning record as the Raiders interim. And I think he, I think that's something that you'd want on your resume to finish the season. Say, hey, I took over a three and five team, and now we finished eight and nine, which is under five hundred. But on my watch, we were a winning football team at five and four. So I think that's important for him. Obviously, as you said, you don't want to go out losing the last two games because it just doesn't look good, and it makes it less likely that you get the job. Yeah, and and listen, I think too. You always want to, you, you know, that last day, you always want to do well. So I think that the Raiders can do that. And again, the, the quarterback situation, we talked about leapfrogging draft, all that stuff. That's only one angle here. There's so many different angles to your point where you, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't say, well, I want Antonio Pierce to be coach and 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 it would be helpful if he won the last game and to your point, have a winning record, but then say, well, right. I want to lose because I want a better quarterback. So you 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 look at that, you, you, they all go together and and one path is not the only direction to go. There's plenty of paths for the Raiders to get their franchise quarterback. And again, you you look at the entirety of the year, there's definitely, even with the ups and downs, Mo, I would say this, the Raiders organization under Champ Kelly, under Antonio Pierce, there's a much different vibe about it. And it's much more positive, even if they were eliminated from the playoffs and they haven't won consistently like they'd like to. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just, I was thinking about this after the game on Sunday. And it's like, after every season, I kind of decompress. But when, it, you know, the Raiders were mathematically eliminated after that loss. And I just kind of sat back and I just thought to myself, and fans, you know, let me know if you agree with this, but why does it feel like the Raiders season feels like two seasons in one? Like, it feels like so much has happened. It feels yes. like the Raiders go through so much in their season. Like, there's a normal season, and then there's a Raiders season where <laughs> all this stuff is going on. You got Chandler Jones uh -huh. on social media. That seemed like it happened eons ago. That was this season. That was going into week one. Yeah. You fire your head coach. You bring in Antonio Pierce. People are wondering if Hunter Renfro is going to be traded. Hunter Renfro has a fractured relationship with Josh McDaniels. The Raiders bounce back. Now they have some playoff hope. Then they die down again. Then they upset the Chiefs and everyone's high again. And then they lose to the Colts. 
and it's like a deflated balloon. But again, it feels like the Raiders had two seasons smashed into one with so much going on. Even the Mark Davis stuff about how he came to the conclusion that he had to fire Josh McDaniels. Mark Davis is being accosted out in public by fans. Fire <laughs> Josh McDaniels, fire Josh McDaniels, and he seemed defiant against that. And then turns out he gets mad after a win over the Packers. I know. And then decides to fire Josh McDaniels. So uh, just to put a bow on it, and I know the season isn't over because he got one more game, but I just sat back yesterday, uh, Sunday night, as the ball was dropping in New York City, and I'm thinking, man, this Raiders season, even as a content creator, it aged me because there's so much was going on this year. Yes, it it, it seems so <laughs> long. And that's where I was talking about, like, for example – I said earlier that as we go into the offseason, we'll have a bunch of guests on to talk about the quarterback market and draft and all that stuff because it's it's the Raiders' top priority. At the same time, we didn't have as many guests on this year, and, and that was it because we had so many dysfunctional things to talk about that you and I <laughs> was like, what are we going to – we couldn't get somebody to come on and talk about football because we were talking about – you know, the little the Napoleon firing. complex with McDaniels and all this kind of all the crap that went on to your point about aging you. <laughs> it's like, yes. And so I understand fans. I can only imagine when you have that much emotion into it. Yeah. Like for us now, you grew up a Raider fan, but still for me, you get emotional because you're covering it. And you get to know people and it's part of what you do. But that emotion as a fan, you know, multiply that by a thousand. And I can only exactly. imagine what fans feel like. Uh, which is why I can understand. I saw some of them kind of lose it after the yeah. Colts loss because they they were got their hopes up again, and so I get that. But yeah, it, it's been a strange, <laughs> strange year, and really the last the two out of the last three have been incredibly strange because you go back to twenty twenty one with the Gruden and the rugs and all that stuff, and then you had last year, which was not great on the field, but you at least thought like, okay, well now they have a GM, they have a coach. And even though people didn't like the coach, you felt like things were going to go in a direction. And then of, of course, then it's all taken back. But I do think, and it's easy for me to say, cause, cause again, the emotion's not invested, but I do think Mo, that as this season comes to conclusion, even with all these question marks, especially the big one at coach and at quarterback is I feel like though, that at least they have, a foundational piece with the defense and what Patrick Graham has had to do. Now, Patrick Graham could leave. So that's another thing we haven't talked about. We'll talk about it later in the week on our next show. But I do think that they have some foundation there and they need to build on it. It feels a little better to me from the outside that they have, they found an identity, right? And a lot of people want to attribute that just to Antonio Pierce. He certainly deserves credit for drawing it out. If Antonio Pierce is not the coach, I don't necessarily think they lose that, but certainly uh, he has brought it out. He's definitely brought it out, but I will say if they do lose Antonio Pierce, not to say they will lose their swagger, but it won't be the same. I, I just sure, I sure. just think that I agree. Th there are certain people out there that just know how to bring out the best in certain, pe certain other people, and they're great motivators, and I think Antonio Pierce is that, and I think that's why... In the best case scenario, if he's not the head coach, you would hope that whoever is hired to be the head coach keeps this Antonio Pierce on, on staff. You know, maybe as an associate head coach, as a still as a linebackers coach, something of something of you know, on that staff because it's no denying how those players have responded to him in a positive way. Where they're gonna, we knew they weren't gonna win every game under Antonio Pierce with that emotion <laughs> and motivation, but. 
we understand the the value in being a motivator because a lot of people will say, well, they're making millions of dollars. They should be motivated to, to make all this money because as common folk, we don't we don't see that type of money. But yeah, you have to understand, even on that level, certain players may need that extra edge. I mean, remember the the, the last dance documentary, with Michael Jordan, where they say he made up insults that people yes. would say about him and they weren't even real insults. No. But he used that as motivation to go out there and pushing he's arguably what a lot of people call the greatest basketball player of all time so if even michael jordan needed that extra edge that extra motivation you can understand that some of these players just need that extra motivation when they go out on game day and why not from antonio pierce again hopefully if he's not the head coach maybe he has a staff position where he can still be that motivator in the locker room yeah and if for some reason i talked about it Patrick Graham, we don't know what his future is, depending on what happens with the head coach. Uh, so there might be an opportunity if Patrick Graham doesn't stick around, if Antonio Pierce isn't the head coach, again, we don't know what's going to happen. But if Antonio Pierce isn't the head coach and he leaves, maybe Antonio Pierce has an opportunity to bump up to become a defensive coordinator as well um, and could slot in there too. That's a way to keep him. Uh, so we'll see. He's done that before, obviously, uh, and has had roles throughout. So we'll see how it goes. But it's going to be an interesting off season. We still got one game left. So as Mo and I run through this week, we'll focus on the Broncos coming up uh, on Thursday's show, as well as whatever else is going to happen within the next few days, because you know something will go down. And we'll talk about that here on Silver and Black today. Mo, I know you have uh, some Bleacher Report duties. Talk about what you got coming up so people can keep track and be a part of it. On Wednesday, I will talk about, as I mentioned last week, who possibly stays and who goes uh, for the Raiders. I talked about Amik Robertson today. He's going to be a free agent. We talked about Antonio Pierce at length. Um, does he stay on as as part of the coaching staff, with the new coaching staff? Of course, that'll be up to whoever they hire. But we'll talk about, has he earned a spot? Uh, and I think you know the answer to that question if you've been listening to our show. So I'll basically just kind of not, I don't want to say wrap up the season with all due respect to the last game. But I just want to look ahead to see how the Raiders can continue to construct, construct and build their roster going forward because they do have, as you said, their foundational pieces. Max Crosby, I don't think they're going to trade Devontae Adams. Uh, you have young guys on the back end, then Nate Hobbs. You know, so you have some you have some pieces there for the long term. Now, how do they add on to that and continue to build? Now, no Raider fans don't want to hear the word rebuild. <laughs> but it, it there, there's going to be a lot of restructuring this offseason. No way around it. If you're even if you keep Champ Kelly and Antonio Pierce, you're probably going to have a relatively new coaching staff. You're probably going to have a new quarterback. You may have a new lead running back. You may have a couple of new offensive linemen. So there will be changes regardless of what happens. It's just a matter of where do they make the tweaks and changes, and how can they add on to what they've already built under Antonio Pierce? No question. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. We're going to be here for all of it. And so make sure you check out Mo on X.com, Mo Moton, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N, and follow his work up on sportsnot.com where you can do that as well. I have a couple pieces on the Raiders that you can find up there too. And don't forget, subscribe to the show wherever you get your audio. Just look for Silver and Black today. Subscribe, put on the auto download, make it easy for yourself. That way, every time we have a new show, we'll do that. Mo, we'll catch up. We'll do a mailbag uh, this week and we'll catch up with you later in the week as well. Fans out there, keep your heads up. It's a new year. Uh, bright future, hopefully. A lot of change. Look forward to ch I know people are resistant to change sometimes, but in this case, <laughs> change was good. You got, out, you got out of the Josh McDaniels era. You're moving into a new era, and we'll see what the Raiders do with it. Yes, and, I, and I'm bullish. I, I did a, a 10 bold predictions for the Raiders. You can find on sportsnot.com, 
And one of them was, I have them win in a playoff game next year, Mo. So there you go. So I'm jumping <laughs> way ahead before I know who the coach or quarterback is. That's what you do with these predictions, right? They're so early that you make bold ones. We'll see how they'll do. We'll, we'll yeah. come back at this time next year and see how I, I was able to do that. So uh, we appreciate you guys being with us. I uh, want to give a shout out to a great year and thank our producer, Mike Robier for helping and doing all the things he does on the back end. I want to thank all of you again as well. For Mo Moten, I'm Scott Colbranson. This has been Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Happy New Year. Have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you in a few days.